What you're about to listen to was originally broadcast on 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia. For details, go to the website 98five.com. Now, as mentioned earlier, you might have seen this story. A private school in Perth's south has uh, threatened to charge parents by the hour if they drop their kids off early or pick them up late. Now, it was reported they issued the warning to parents in a newsletter, also threatening to refer parents to the Department of Child Protection if they repeatedly left their kids alone outside the school gates and joining me on the line today regular guest Simon Creek from HHG Legal Group good afternoon Simon good afternoon Mark now this is an interesting uh, story that we're uh, across right here in Perth Um, when you look at this I mean it's tricky even working out who is actually responsible here Simon the does the responsibility sit with the parents or or the school Look, it's a great question, and I think what we can do is broaden the scope to look at this from two angles. One is the specific story that we are covering here, but also perhaps uh, give some helpful assistance to those uh, listeners who are separated or separating parents, Mm. Um, because the question there is a little bit different, and it's what responsibility does a school have to know what family court orders say and to enforce them, uh, questions like Mm. that. But in essence, on this um, particular question, the whole Divine Mercy College article, um, look, you're going to love it when I say this. Everybody loves it when a lawyer says the answer is yes and no. (laughs) Come on, Simon. You can't sit on the fence today. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try not to. I really will. Fences aren't very comfortable things to sit on. So, um, I think we'll answer it this way. Technically, there needs to be a contract between parents and a school for a school to then add extra charges. But on the other hand, schools have to meet legislative requirements. They've got to comply with requirements from the Department of Education. And they are given reasonable liberty to set their own policies, codes of conduct, opening hours, and to work in with the needs of their specific community. So what's being proposed by Divine Mercy College is not, in my view, unreasonable as a concept. It's probably something that they need to communicate with, collaborate with parents over. And I dare say it's something that uh, the school board and perhaps the the parents committee, etc., would look at quite favourably if this is an extreme problem that a school has. So... Yes, you you should really have a contract, um, but on the other hand, if a school is faced with a a bit of a a looming and growing problem like this, they've got the liberty, they've got the flexibility to come up with some solutions that aren't too lopsided in the favour of, let's call them, slightly recalcitrant parents. Mm. I'm just thinking, Simon, I mean, you know, if, if the, and thinking about the timing of the kids being waiting 10 minutes or what is unreasonable if or the kids been waiting a half an hour or an hour, is an hour then going too far? I mean, it's a, it would be a tricky one to even put into a contract, surely. It is a tricky one, but I think um, the, the question of reasonableness would always apply here. Yeah. And that tends to lead the law in a fairly common sense direction. And I have to say, it's one of the um, positive things I can say about legal practice is that 
you get sort of 25 years of practice down the track and you look at um, questions like this one and you can see that by and large, our legal system does tend to favour what you and I might call common sense. Mm. So here, you know, parents um, every now and then being 10 minutes late is not really what Divine Mercy College is concerned about. I don't think it's what most schools would be concerned about. Yeah. It's the recalcitrant parent who constantly drops their kids off, you know, one to two hours early, doesn't pick them up for an hour or two after school's finished and is effectively taking advantage of the school, effectively treating them as an unpaid childcare centre. Mm, interesting. Simon, I'll put you back on hold. We'll come back and chat some more. You're on at 98.5. This is Weekdays with Mike. We're chatting to Simon Creek today about the uh, private school in Perth's South, which has uh, threatened to charge parents by the hour if they drop their kids off early or pick them up late. Simon, I'm just thinking, so the bell's gone at the end of the day. Uh, the kids have uh, wandered off the school grounds. They're maybe uh, at a local uh, shop not too far from the school. What is the difference then if they're waiting at a premise nearby or by the gate and if they're outside the school grounds? Great question. And the answer to this one, I don't have to sit on a fence. The oh, short answer is, yes. uh, yep, the school is not responsible. Um, it's one of those scenarios where, you know, if a parent has allowed a child to either be dropped off at a cafe nearby, a playground nearby, mm. or told them to meet them there at the end of the day, albeit hours after school has concluded, uh, the school is not held to have a duty of care there. And I think this okay. term duty of care is is one to explore. Um, I think all of us here it bounced around um, in a number of situations almost daily. And a school's duty of care is a pretty uh, hefty one. It does have uh, a very high duty of care to look after parents and, uh, sorry, children and uh, for their welfare mm. during the school day and on their premises. But outside of those fairly defined um, boundaries, it's not the school's responsibility. If you are prepared to let your young child um, roam the streets, uh, sort of around the school, yeah. then that child is at all times your responsibility. And the law was decided in the case of um, Gear and Downs in 1977 here, and it hasn't really changed since. Rightio. So if you're inside the boundary of the school, then it's the school's responsibility. It is, yeah. and that's why this, this article, that's why this okay. Mercy Divine College issue is of, um, I think, quite some importance because the parents are obviously telling the children to go to school on the school premises mm. early, very early in the day, yep. or to remain there, you know, maybe up to two hours after school's close. And that puts the schools in a really difficult position mm. because it is highly arguable that they have a strong duty of care to look after the children because they're on their premises mm. and because a parent uh, may be, um, I guess, derelict in their duties. Yeah. Simon, this, the, the report also said about, um, about the school uh, referring parents to the Department of Child Protection if they repeatedly left their kids alone when it's outside the school gates. Where does that sit? Are they okay to do that? It's a strong shot across the bow. Mm. Uh, very strong because nobody gets the Department of Child Protection involved in anything unless uh, it's of quite some 
serious nature. Uh, the Department of Education gives individual schools quite a bit of guidance on this. And again, as I noted earlier, I think the approach is one that would be deemed by most Australians to be quite reasonable. Uh, in other words, you know, if it's action, if the parent is repeatedly, or not even repeatedly, but often, more than once, taking action that reduces or, you know, the, the likelihood of safety for a child, mm. that's a problem. And the school has to take note of that and the school would be within its rights to report that. It's the same with, you know, ongoing derelict duty. Uh, even if a school noted that a child was constantly at a cafe next door at, I don't know, 7 a.m. in the morning yeah. and there until 5, 6 at night, that's something the school would probably be reasonably able to report because, you know, I think most of us would be a bit worried yeah. about parenting uh, by cafe, mm, <laughs> if I can mm, call it that. Yeah. But if, it's, if a parent just forgets to pick their child up from school a couple of times or is running late due to mm. traffic, that's not constitute. That doesn't constitute endangering a child. Yeah, awesome. Simon, we'll take a break. You mentioned about um, separated and divorced parents. I'm keen to just also tackle that issue as well. We'll take a break. We're getting some great messages coming through. Thanks, Jamie from Armadale. Says that your your wife works in daycare, uh, and they're supposed to shut at six p.m. Sometimes the parents don't come till six fifteen. Or 6.20. Thanks, Jamie. And also Tracy from Rivervale uh, says, yes, they should be able, the school should be able to put something in place to rein in early slash late parents. I wonder how the child feels. A great thought, Tracy. Thanks for joining the conversation. Back after this with Simon. Uh, Simon, you, you briefly mentioned a bit earlier about uh, parents that are either separated or are divorced or going through that process. Uh, does that add a whole other layer of complication with this? It really does. And um, it's really, really, really important that separating parents and school teachers themselves have their head around who's responsible for what. So the most typical source of conflict here is when there are no court orders but parents are separated and one parent is telling the school one thing about how bad the father is and perhaps the father is uh, telling the school exactly the same thing from the other side. The school's in a real dilemma, particularly when um, allegations of abuse or literally just a lack of safety have been raised. And in that scenario, it's quite clear that the school doesn't have the responsibility uh, for what happens. It doesn't have the responsibility to choose between parents and it probably shouldn't at all at that point. But it's also really important that the schools have policies in place to deal with that scenario. And those policies, which we as a firm frequently draft for schools, um, also need to take into account what happens when there are family court orders. And, you know, to what extent is a school expected to interpret those orders, understand them, and then enforce them? So big questions here, but the short answer to the scenario where there are family court orders, which determine how much time a child should spend with each parent, who can collect them from school, who can see school reports and things like that. The short answer is that the language used in the orders will usually be very plain English for that. It will be very easy to decipher. But the school should insist in a policy that parents who are separating provide them with a copy of the court orders as soon as they are available so that the school actually knows 
who's telling the truth mm-hmm. and what the court has ruled in this situation. There are a number of situations that arise for teachers that I think put them under a lot of pressure in this situation. Likewise, though, it's unfortunately not overly uncommon for one parent to try and take advantage of a school and convince them, uh, not always honestly, that uh, the other parent is some sort of problem. Again, the school must only have regard to family court orders, not what either party is saying. Simon, just to finish off today, I'm just going to refer back to, we're getting quite a few messages in support of schools actually coming down firm and, and actually um, in, in favour of the school, what they're actually looking at, which is which is good to see. Um, the one regard from Jamie was talking about his wife works in daycare. They sh- close at 6, but sometimes parents don't come till 6.15 or 6.20. Is that a whole different conversation, that one? It is a different conversation for the simple reason that a childcare centre is a private business and it's not governed by the Education Act and similar legislation. It just means in practice that it's all the more important for that business, that childcare centre, to have really good contracts with the parents, very clear policies and the ability to enforce those policies and contracts accepted by the client, the parents, in writing. That makes all the difference. And whilst there will always be community practice, I guess, um, you know, the, the type of practice or trend that most childcare centres subscribe to, mm. that's never going to either exonerate a childcare centre from having been negligent or protect them when they do need to reasonably shut down and go home unless the detail is in a contract and is in their policies. Mm. So that's the best advice I can give there. Um, We draft a lot of that work, but it's fascinating to us as lawyers who have an education and childcare space that many, many childcare centres don't have uh, these policies in place. Wow. Interesting. Simon, look, we are out of time today. Really appreciate your time. It's uh, It's an interesting topic. It'll be interesting to see how this one pans out over maybe over the next term. Absolutely. For more details on this and other programs, contact 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia, or visit the website 98five.com.